This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we talk about the lore of Star Wars in the Legends versus Canon. So looking at what came before the Disney purchase and what Disney has adapted, changed, or gotten rid of and talking about the the differences there. I am one of your hosts, Austin, otherwise known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Ben of Tamaria. All right. Well, we're still talking about Star fighters, starships, starfighters, star cruisers, whatever you want to call it. Um, last week, we talked about the A-Wing. And this week, we're going back in time to before the Battle of Yavin. Well before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. To well talk before. about another starfighter. Both mine and Austin's favorites from the Clone Wars, the ARC-170, which... If you don't know what that is in just like the name alone, it is the ship that all the clones fly. There's that specific starfighter. You're muted. (laughs) There's another one that they fly in the original Clone Wars, and it's a little bit in the the Dave Filoni Clone Wars. But it's the little, like, triangle one. It, like, it's got a part that comes down, and then it's got two wings on the side. You know oh, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't remember what the name of that ship is on the top of my head, though. No. But other than that, yeah, the ARC, the ARC 170 was probably what I associate most with clone starfighters. Though now the... Uh, the BTLB Y wing is also getting associated with that. That's with true. Clone Wars, but that is true. The precursor to the Y wing we see in the original. They're just you know modified slightly. They still kept the same design, roughly, just modified a little bit as much as they could. But yeah, let's let's dig right into it with Legends. Obviously, we always start with so in the Clone Wars. Uh, originally it was introduced and adopted by the Republic shortly after the Clone Wars. The arcs, uh, were used fairly exclusively during the late Clone Wars, during the Battle of, uh, Malastar. A squadron of the arc fighters escorted a squadron of BTLB Y-Wings, carrying a electro-proton bomb provided to cover against the AATs by strafing enemy ground formations. So as we were just discussing the BTLB Y-Wings, they are both around in the same time. They were also used in the defense of Kamino and later in the rescue mission of Lola Sayu. uh, Shortly after the Battle of Coruscant, a squadron of arcs provided cover for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker on Tithe, but were mostly destroyed. Which is very sad. For those of you who don't know, the Battle of Malastare is 
the planet that um oh what's his name Sebulba his species is from Malastare um the Dirks that's what they're called and that is the arc with the Zillow beast if you remember from the oh planet. okay yeah, yeah yeah so one of my favorite episodes <laughs> And then uh, during the Battle of Coruscant, uh, Clone Fight Squad 7, operating with ARCs 170s, covered, by, uh, covered for Kenobi and Skywalker as they made their way to an invisible hand. Although Squad 7 suffered many casualties, they allowed the two Jedi to successfully board the ship to rescue Supreme Chancellor Palpatine. large number of ARC 170s were destroyed by droid tri-fighters in the battle. In which, you know, the Battle of Coruscant, meaning the very, very beginning of Episode 3. That is the Battle of Coruscant right there. You know, where Anakin cuts off Dooku's head and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So, now we get to the Galactic Empire. So, they didn't really have a whole lot of, like, history in the Clone Wars. Since they were introduced in the late Clone Wars. Uh, So, during the Galactic Empire era... uh, Later, Alpha Palpatine issued Order 66, Arc 170s flying over the skies of Kalto Nemodia under the command of Clone Captain Jag turned the Jedi Master Plo Koon, um, turned on the Jedi Master Plo Koon. The Arc 170 squadron fired upon his Delta 7 starfighter, destroying the fighter's engines. So the ship Plo Koon blew up. So. Yeah. Let's just Plokun deserved better. He did. He deserved so much better. Now, granted, we don't really get much character development for his character until you know the clone Dave Filoni's Clone Wars. Sadly. Right, but you know, I was hoping we'd get a little more kind of the process since Commander Wolf was in Rebels. Mm-hmm. True. But we didn't get more about the wolf pack. But I don't want to think about the wolf pack having to betray Blokum at all. Right, I don't want to think about like, it at all. It's weird, though, too, because Wolf got his inhibitor chip removed. Was that before or after? I'm like, I'm, I'm confused about that. But... That's a discussion for another time. Uh, Plo Koon could not regain control of the ship and plunged to his death as he and what remained of the forward part of the fi- uh, fighter crashed into a building on one of Kalto Nemodia's bridge cities. And by the way, uh, if you want to go see Kalto Nemodia, uh, you can actually go back to the original Battlefront 2 and actually play that map. Or is it Battlefront 1? It's one or two that you can actually play on that map. Um, I want to say it's two. It's not two. It's not two? Because two's maps include, um, because I'm, I'm dealing with, I got it to run on my laptop, so I've been playing Battlefront 2. <laughs> I think you're thinking of um, Maigito. Is that the bridge city that you that's on the map? That has a map? Yes, that's okay. the one where you play. Is, that's, that's where what I'm thinking of. Dies. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Ah, oh. it's similar. So, um, so several years after the declaration of what? I believe Cato Nemoidia is the home of the Nemoidians or the Trade Federation people. 
Y yes? Question mark? I'm pretty sure. Yes, it is the home planet of the Nemordians. Uh, yep. So the Trade mm -hmm. Federation. Um, so several years after the de declaration of the new order, of a new order, the Arc 170s of Green Squadron were deployed from a Star Destroyer. They took part in the second portion of the shrouded offensive at Ostar. Uh, they strapped the city shield, and they were uh, ambushed by followers of the rogue clone trooper uh, Kadak and V-19 Torrent Starfighters. So even when the Empire is founded, they are still using clones in the early formations of the Empire. Since, you know, they have to do a lot of recruiting to get just get the stormtroopers. The attackers were fought off, but quickly disappeared. Vader led the squadron back to cover the Star Destroyer after Commander Hawk Malsum disabled the shield. The ARC-170s attacked the city, leaving it in ruins. And then, during the Galactic Civil War, ARC-170s could be found in both Imperial and Rebel fleets, where they were consist considered elite crafts. Which does make sense, because... Specifically for the rebels, at least, it makes sense that one Arc One Seventies are like classified as elite crafts. It's because the X Wings and the Y Wings were mostly mostly like refitted from older ships. And then, as with all craft uh, commissions by the new Empire, ARC-170s were henceforth given the standard Imperial gray color scheme, doing away with a variety of colorful markings and military vessels bore to identify the squadron affiliations with during the Clone Wars. Incom would go to produce the T-65 X-Wing Starfighter, the successor to the ARC-170s. So, the ARC-170s eventually evolved into what we get as the X-Wings. Which makes sense if you see the wing pattern. It's very... It just has an extra wing right in the middle of the two. If you're watching this live, it's like... Here's the V, and then there's like a single... Uh, wing in between the, the V. And it only has two blasters instead of the quad. True, blasters. yes. Which I always wondered, like, how... So when you see them fire in the show and in the games, they, like, fire in a V formation. Mm -hmm. Like, to where they both hit the singular point. But there's no, like, bend in the rifles. Like, the, the rifling yeah, it's the just... blaster goes <laughs> straight. So how does it how does it know to the force? Like, I... The force or something with the crystals, maybe? I Who knows? Uh, one old Arc-170 was found in an old secret hangar of the Rebel Alliance on the planet Dathomir. Interesting. Uh, the Wookiees, uh, Amara and Orpazapur, Wookiee names are hard, uh, took this Arc-170 after they had been freed from Imperial Prison Facility and managed to punch a hole through Imperial Blockade around the planet. So, my question out of that is, why does the Rebels have a base, secret hangar base on Dathomir, of all planets? 
So this is actually an interesting kind of path in in um, legends. So Dathomir, after Grievous stores and wipes out Night Sisters, the Dathomirans, the Iridonians that are on Dathomir, they start to develop an actual society that's not based around the witchcraft of the Night Sisters. And by the time of the New Republic, they are like fully members of the Republic and mm. are, or maybe not, but they're, it's more like, instead of like, oh, here's this crazy planet with all these monsters that can kill you and there's no society really, like there's no like civilization, whatever you want to call it. There is society and civilization, but it's not the standard across the galaxy, I guess. That makes sense. And so Dathomir in Legends is more, they start to develop some type of society beyond just the Night Sisters. And so my guess is that Dathomir probably played some kind of role in the rebellion. Got it. Okay. That makes a little more sense. And then uh, Queen... Kalantha of Naboo also owned several ARC 170s. Her personal ship technicians had rehauled a few of them and turned them into formidable fighters again. She gave one to an adventure as a token of appreciation for helping the Wookiees. Uh, Amara and Orapazapak Pier escaped from captivity. So, the queen after Padme. Well, two queens after Padme because Padme was only she went to center after queen right I don't know I I can't remember who actually succeeds Padme but this is all legends so none of it's canon anyway true Uh, then we go into the military role of the ARC 170s uh, the ARC-170 was typically deployed from uh, Venator-class Star Destroyers and were often sent on dangerous scout missions and raids deep into enemy territory. Uh, to allow the ARC-170 to perform these missions, the fighter was equipped with a Class 1.5 hyperdrive, and its nose was filled with powerful sensors, scanners, and jammers. And the ARC-170 carried enough consumables for five days of operation. However, the supplies and additional equipment had a price... And the ARC-170 was quite slow. Durable armor and shielding, as well as two tail guns, helped the ARC-170 survive when uh, surrounded by swarms of smaller, faster enemy fighters, although it remained vulnerable to enemy anti-fighter guns. So they had enough to where they could, like, hold off their own against uh, vulture droids or the droid uh, tri-fighters and such like that. Yeah, I believe that there is enough room in the cockpits for at least two, if not three, pilots in the ARC-170s. I want to say at least, I know at least two in most cases. Right, because I would always like to describe the ARC-170s as if the Snowspeeder and X-Wing had a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah, but... Uh, I totally see that. So... But it's interesting that they're slow, because the X-Wings are known to be fast. 
True. Yeah. I think it's because of how much like the five day like it's saying like they have five days of rations and consumables and stuff like that. That's the reason why they're slowed down. Is because of the equipment they hold. Because you know, the X Wing doesn't really hold any extra stuff besides the pilot. I mean, no, that's not true because Luke has all that supplies that he pulls oh, out. Good point. True. Yoga. True. Um, but it also is funny to me because the one ship that they try to like make fast and like light and limit stuff in there is the worst ship in the Rebel fleet. <laughs> yeah. And if we don't know what you're ta- what we're talking about, go to the last episode. <laughs> the A-wing. You understand why we don't like the A-Wing too much. It may be fast, but it ain't that great. Uh, but with the weaponry of the ARC-170, uh, it possessed a powerful weaponry. It carried six proton torpedoes, and its wingtip-mounted medium laser cannons were unusually large for a starfighter. The ARC-170s were often used as a heavy hitter in strike forces, escorted by V-Wings and ETA-2s. Uh, ARC-170s could carry concussive missiles for anti-fighter work. So they're mainly used for, like, strikes. Mainly. Or scouting. And then the ARC-170 was manned by a crew of three clone troop or three clone operators, a pilot, a forward gunner who operated the wingtip-mounted lasers, and a tail gunner who operated the rear-mounted cannons. The fighter also carried an astromech droid to perform onboard repairs and navigation. It was also possible for the pilot to operate the wingtip laser cannons if the co-pilot wasn't available. So yes, three. And an astromech. So technically four. Because you can't miss the astromech. The astromech's always, always important. I guess they're not really worried about, you know, the number of clones that they're losing in a fighter because they're just ah. popping them out. Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're clones are being produced in the thousands, if not tens of thousands, every day. Right. Whereas you can tell, I mean, really, the Y wing is the only Rebel fighter that can hold more than one pilot. True. Uh, which I just think is interesting that because and you see that the Empire fighters are extendable because they just they recruit anybody off the street. More. Yep. But the rebels are more cautious. They're not they're not putting more than one pilot in a in a ship mm-hmm. so that they don't lose more if those ships die. And then uh, customization. During the Clone Wars, it was common for elite pilots to customize their vessels with elaborate uh, designs, such as the elite Razor Squadron. And the ARC-170 that shot down Plo Koon's Delta-7 Aerospit-class light interceptor during Order 66 was knitted out to display information on its cockpit display uh, using an unidentified script. But that is what we have in the can or legends of the Arc One Seventy. Alright, this will probably be a good time for the break. Yeah, let's do that.
All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything to do with the podcast that doesn't have to do with the lore of Star Wars. And so this is now that I thank our patrons. Thank you so much for all of your support. You can join us and support us on Patreon. Various tiers you can sign up all the way from just getting ad-free episodes to coming on the show with us at our Sith Lord and Jedi Master tier. You can sign up and come with us for a patron chat at the end of the month, which will be in two weeks from today. Right? Uh, yes. Yes. All right. Uh, and so, yeah, you can support us there. Another great way to support us is to leave us reviews or ratings on Apple and Spotify. If you leave us a review with words, a five-star review with words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. We do not have a review to read today, unless I missed one. Uh, we do not at the moment. Yes, so we do not have a review to read today, but that's a great way to support us. You can also come hang out with us on Discord on the Cups Podcasting and More Discord server or the Robots Radio Discord server. You can come hang out, talk with us, talk about Star Wars, talk about anything and everything. It's a good time. You can find those links somewhere. Um, You can hang out with us. In the episode description. In the episode description. (laughs) And you can hang out with us there, and that's great. Um, Other than that, I don't... Other than you, your new show is still going, but yep, uh, still work, uh, still pumping out episodes of we. I'm doing another show called Wizard World Lorecast with Captain Shanko from the MCU Lorecast, where we are doing deep dive into the lore of Harry Potter and that universe, which is a lot of fun. We just ended our three part episode for magic. We are now going to be starting this week going into the wand lore which is exciting because I did not realize there was more than the three cores that for wands until looking this stuff up. And I was like, oh, there's a lot more. Oh, there's also like 30 types of woods that the wands are made out of. Like, it's insane. I forget what type of wand I have. I'll have to look that up. But, but lots of fun. And then I know you have your new show now too. Yeah, so if you like hanging out with us you can't find a podcast where we're together but you can find a podcast where we're on them uh so you can find me on the assassin's creed lorecast the dragon age lorecast and the inheritance cycle page by page podcast dragon age and assassin's creed lorecast are what they say they are about the lore of those two video game series assassin's creed and dragon age the inheritance cycle page by page is a kind of book club read-through of the Inheritance Cycle or the Aragon books, where we sit and talk about those books and impressions and theorize and just have fun with that. So you can check all of those out. Um, if you join our Discord, you can find links to all of them, but they're all the podcasts, the Wizarding World Lorecast, my, those podcasts are all available, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you find podcasts. Yep. Always fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to it. Did you hear it? I heard it. Yes. It only took a couple weeks. (laughs) My life is better now that I have the Wilhelm scream. Heck yeah. 
So uh, now that we're back, we go into the canon of the ARC 170s. Uh, so going back to the Clone Wars, the ARC 170 Starfighter was initially created by Inco slash Subpro um, for the Galactic Republic as a multi-purpose starship. The successor was the clone Z-95 Headhunter. It participated in numerous battles uh, during the Clone Wars, such as the Battle of uh, Malastar, in which the guarded B- uh, which it guarded the BTLB Y-wing starfighter bombers, armed with experimental electro-proton bombs, while some of them strafed the Separatist ground forces. They also participated in the Battle of Camino and the Battle of Solust. Arc-170 Starfighters also took part of the Battle of Laura Salu, led by Jedi Master uh, Satin... Satin... God. Satin and Adi Golia and Kit Fisto, where they engaged Vulture Droids and Droid Tri-Fighters in space in order to break the blockade to allow Plo Koon and the Wolf Pack to rescue Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka Tana, and Will... Will Huff Tarkin, who were under attack by O.C. Sobek and his droid escorts. Honestly, three of them you could save, you should not have saved Tarkin. He was a jerk even during the Clone Wars. Nah. Like, watching that episode and, like, Anakin helping him escape and Tarkin's complete, like, a-hole the entire time. And exact and acts exactly like he is in the Empire, and it's 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 terrifying to see. It's terrible. Um, yeah, but, I hate him. Yeah, I hate I don't him. know anybody who likes him. <laughs> I hate him more than Vader and Palpatine. Maybe not both of them combined, but more than both of them individually. Yeah, I. Yeah, I can second that. He's a terrible person. Uh, so later, several Wolfpack Arc-170 starfighters were parked in uh, Wolf's Acclimator-class uh, armor uh, assault ship prior to the Wolfpack going on their mission to deliver supplies to the people of Alin. And just after a series of ground quakes rocked the world through, though the fighters never took part in the mission. And then the ARC-170 Starfighters and BTLB Y-Wing Bombers also participated in a mission to rescue Adi Gali, who was being held captive by Grievous. The fighters assaulted the Dreadnought defenses as so Plo Koon and his rescue team could board the ship to rescue Adi Galea uh, alongside with C-3PO and R2-D2, who were about to be incinerated to the scrap metal by the Separatists. I don't remember that episode on the top of my head. Hmm. And then several several Arc 170s also participated in the Battle of Umbara, where they were involved in breaking through the Separatist blockade to clear way for General Ken- Generals Kenobi, Skywalker, and their clone forces to retake the planet. Yeah. The Battle of Umbara. And the Umbara troopers are awesome. Yes, but it's also where we meet the most hated Jedi of all time. Oh, what's his face with the forearms? Ong Krell. Yeah, he can burn in places. The, the most hated, probably, I, th- I want to say probably the most hated character in Star Wars at this point. Like, no one likes him. 
for very good reasons. <laughs> and then after seeing the campaign against the supposed Admiral uh, Enigma, who is actually the undercover Jedi Master Quinlan Voss, and as part as the second battle of Christophus, uh, Arc 170s played a major part in the Outer Rim's uh, sieges during the Battle of Coruscant. Clone Commander Oddball led Clone Fight Flight Squad 7 to protect Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi on their mission to rescue the Supreme Chancellor. And then several participated in the capture of Ketona Amudia and following the battle shot down General Plo Koon when Chief Pal- Palpatine ordered, issued Order 66. Yeah. So a lot of the similarities, a lot of stuff from Legends went into the canon, obviously, because a lot of that was from the films. Right. And that makes sense. And now we get to post Clone Wars. Uh, when the Clone uh, Clone Wars ended with the Republic's transformation to the Galactic Empire, the Arc 170s naturally became part of the Imperial Navy, which they which how the clone troopers who flew them became stormtroopers in the Imperial military. As such, in the immediate aftermath of the war, several ARC 170s were used to keep the former Jedi outposts known as the Bright Home under Imperial control as clones sorted through its inventory. I'm trying to remember. Bright Home was a uh, Outer Rim Jedi station. Which. I'm pretty sure it's from the comics, because I've never seen this before. I'm 90% sure that it's from the comics. I'm actually sure that 90% of this whole post-Clone Wars content is from comics. It's from the comic. More than likely, from the probably the Darth Vader comics, honestly. Yeah, and probably Kanan's comics and the other I ones. I forgot he had comics. There's also comics following... There's a lot of comics following in the in-between... But yeah. And then when Darth Vader arrived at the station, as I just stated, it's probably Darth Vader comics, uh, he refused to give Imperial access codes to instead cut down these soldiers aboard, resulting in the Arc 170s moving to engage Vader's starship under the orders of one clone pilot. However, Vader quickly outmaneuvered the Arc 170s and destroyed them, leaving the clones aboard the station to assume he was a Jedi. Uh, Vader quickly boarded and cut through all the clones who came. Uh, who came against him. Makes sense, because he would just wreck everybody in his path if he, no one gets out of his way. And then, ARC-170s continued to see the use in Imperial Navy for at least five years after the proclamation of the New Order, as the newer TIE line came in production. Squadrons of ARC-170s were deployed from an older generation Venator-class Star Destroyer to assist Governor Wilhuff Tarkin and the Executrix during the campaign of Salent. And then several later ambushed Kanan Jarrus when he tried to return to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant despite Master Kenobi's warning not to. It also served as a predecessor to the T-65B X-Wing Starfighter. And then the Alliance to Restore the Republic also acquired a number of ARC 170s during the Galactic Civil War, retrofitting them to Alliance standards. Uh, Shara Bay, Thane Kyrell, Braylon Stram, and Nora Wexley all flew the ARC 170s at some point in the war. And then Donata Security was also known to use Clone Wars era starfighters in its fleet 
uh, as of 34 ABY, the ARC-170 V-Wing and the N-1 Starfighter were among the fleet of fighters. I love the N-1, though. The N-1's probably, like, the new, the new Starfighter, Naboo Starfighter is probably one of my favorites. Next to the ARC-170. Who is the Jedi Master that Starkiller's first asked to hunt down? General Rom Coda. Rom Coda. So he has no clone troopers in his regiment. Correct. 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 Does he use like clone issued gear then? Like would he have had ARC 170s in his arsenal? Possibly. I know he I know he didn't have clones in his like detachment because he didn't he didn't trust clones and even well even like that was even during the clone wars he did not have any clones whatsoever because he did not trust them and obviously it was a good thing but uh i don't know if he had if they his soul like his soldiers or his fighters actually had clone issued weaponry i'd imagine they did because it was mass produced to a large scale but i have no idea well it would just since it's not canon it 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 doesn't matter because like all of all of the partisans have clone issued equipment like they have the dc 17 blaster rifle Mm there i imagine they probably did at least for the weapons um Obviously not the clones themselves, but the weapons at least. I probably would imagine they had the same issued stuff because it was all Republic issue at the time. So now we get to the characteristics. The uh, the aggressive rec- uh, reconnaissance 170 starfighter, aka the ARC 170, was a multi-purpose starfighter uh, designed both instant battle uh, for both intense battle and long longer deep space missions it measured at 12.71 meters in length contained a hyperdrive and propelled itself into real space utilizing two powerful engine systems it was piloted by a crew of three a pilot co-pilot and tail gunner along with an astromech droid long-range scanners and sensors were contained in the vessel's nose and i'm sorry it's not a crew of three it's a crew of four astromechs matter it's just me the astromechs matter they do. Um, <laughs> I don't like to entertain it too much because then the role of droids and yeah, I know society comes problematic. <laughs> yeah, I know. That is a fair point. Yeah. Uh, during battle, the craft's S foils open to expose heat sinks in the radiator to help cool the ship, and the two main forward medium laser cannons located on the underside of the outer wings were uncommonly large and powerful. Its laser cannons could punch through a capital ship's armor, and its twin blaster cannons provided a rear-firing arc manned by its tail gunner. Uh, furthermore, proton torpedo launchers increased the craft's usefulness in ship-to-ship combat and added its already ex- ex- uh, extensive repertoire and its ability to serve as a bomber. The ARC-170's deflector shows dip- dispersed heat generated by air resistance in the astromed astrophoric flight enabling the craft to reach hyperspace hypersonic speeds huh. so it's a good ship all in all it is a good ship and i think it's really 
the kind of perfect ship for the clone trooper because it's designed just like the clone trooper is designed to be worth 10 battle droids or whatever it is mm-hmm. their arc fighter is worth multiple of the droid star fighters mm-hmm. this is true and now we go to the behind the scenes the arc 170 was named after art 170, the title of the artwork formed by concept artist Ryan Church that inspired the finalized design. Originally, it was referred to simply as a clone fighter in the script for the Revenge of the Sith. And the HUD scene in Oddball's Arc 170 cockpit during the Battle of Coruscant had the same targeting display as Luke's, Skywalker's, X-Wing, and A New Hope. They just used reused the same targeting system stuff. It was easy for filmmaking just reusing props the, yeah the joint joint development of the arc 170 by Incom and subpro corporation seemed to contradict a hollow net news report that claims the companies served their partnership shortly after the onset of the clone wars this issue was pro- uh, possibly be retconned by the fact that most of the design for the ship took place before the split. Even so, it was released as an Incom sub-pro design, and it is extremely unusual for design credit to continue to be shared between companies who have broken off relations. Weird. Yeah. Uh, in Star Wars Battlefront 2, the ARC-170 fighter is considered a medium starfighter, an equivalent to the T-65 X-Wing starfighter. The game also only allows one individual to board it rather than three to fill all three positions, which was a bummer. It should allow three people to completely have a squad and just annihilate everything. Yeah, but what... I mean... So really, if we really, really think about it, the the gunship in the Clone Wars seats mm-hmm. like six, because you've got no, it's yeah. So you've got pilot, you've got two gunners, you've got the back gunner, and then two passengers. Okay, yeah. The, um, both, depending on the class, the bombers sometimes have two pilots. And the, obviously, the interceptors, Jedi starfighters, A-wings, have only room for one. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's interesting to me because you would have the gunner position, but who wants to ride as a co-pilot? Like, who has ever ridden as a passenger in the... Gunship. Fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> At least have a tail gunner in the Arc 170 in Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. At least you're shooting. <laughs> but then no one would no one would use the bomber. Good point. That is true. Yeah, no one would use the bomber. Uh in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, the visual directory, the Starfighter was said to have a Projectile cannon above the wing mounted laser cannons, which is obviously not a thing. In 2005, Lego released the Arc 170 set, which included three clone pilots, which Ollie had V Wing pilot uniforms. This was due to technical limitations, however. The R4 D5, a strange 
thing about the set was that it only had one rear laser cannon. Lego released another ARC-170 in 2010, which was more accurate in de depicting the fighter and pilots. It includes one standard clone pilot, Captain Jag, Kit Fisto, and R4P44. An Episode 3 collector set uh, was released in 2005, in which the set had an ARC-170, a droid, tri-fighter, a buzz droid, three clone pilots, R4-D5, and an Episode 3 LEGO poster, and a CD-ROM from the LEGO vaults. LEGO's too expensive. <laughs> I know. That's what I I'm saying that. I, I know, all. they're so cool, but like, god, they're so expensive. Yes, Annika, I agree on that, by the way. Yes, uh, the Kifiso minifigs, any minifigs. Get, if you can find a minifig, get the minifigs. They are worth so much. It is ridiculous. In the Clone War episode, the Xylo Beast, uh, the ARC-170 squadron exploring the Y-wings that dropped the electro-proton bomb during the course of the episode had the same engine nose, uh, as the X-Wings in the original trilogy, this is probably implemented to highlight the ARC-170 is the precursor to the X-Wing. And then in 2009, an Imperial variant of the ship was first depicted visually as a toy for Hasbro Inc.'s Star, or Star Wars The Clone Wars toy range. And that is it for behind the scenes. Yeah, we've got a lot of toys because I'll tell you. Post Return of the Jedi, George Lucas was all about those toys. They got so many, like all his, like all his, like profit was from toys. <laughs> like I mean, oh, the yeah. movies had a lot, but like from the end of Return of the Jedi all the way up to Phantom Menace, he was making so much money on just toy sales. I'm giving out those like rights for toys and getting the profit from uh, getting right. the profit. It's insane. And like you can really like think about the difference. Like you should look up, go into some kind of like, comic book store or use toy store or something like that, and just go find their Star Wars section and see all of the like random characters who have action figures, and then compare that. Like go try to find a Ray action figure it's hard yes and so <laughs> that's that's the like difference here is that they're not making toys anymore like there are hardly any rise of skywalker toys like anything sequel related you're really not gonna find at the moment like right now because i work in i work in retail i know the collectible market with because i get all that stuff in my store that i work at um it's all like the Star Wars uh, Black Series stuff they have coming out right now. It's mainly Mandalorian, Book of Boba, um, Ondor is getting some new figures. Uh, it's all the recent stuff, but like, like even when Rise of Skywalker and like the sequel series was like out and like new. There was not a lot of toy sales. Like there was a lot, not a whole, like at least after, um, Force Awakens. After Force Awakens, it like kind of dipped a little bit, and then really after Last Jedi, it just like almost stopped completely. It was just hard to find like any sequel characters. 
So in the Black Series, oh, there's a Dark Ray Black Series. Yes, they did. They have done other like they like the most recent Ray was Dark Ray, Dark Side Ray, but that's only in a Vision mm-hmm. that we get in Rise of Skywalker. Now it's the coolest figure for Ray. Not gonna lie, but they don't have they do not have yellow lightsaber Ray in the Black Series. No, no. Even though, like, her her saber, like, the one she makes is probably one of the most unique designed hilts. I do like her hilt. I, I can't deny that. Her hilt's pretty cool. But that's all I will say. <laughs> that's interesting. But, yeah, toys are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Got that right. But that is all what we got for this week. Anything else? Yeah. No. Well, thank you all. Thank you, chat, for hanging out and chatting with us. Um, thank you all for listening to the Holocron Histories podcast. We will see you next week. And may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at HolocronHistories at gmail.com. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide. Available wherever podcasts can be found.